Okay, welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 196 with my guest, Nicholas Samuel. Nick was a student at SOCI years ago uh, and reached out to me to talk about many things, including speedrunning and some other just um, personal uh, hobbies of his, but excuse me, of them. And they were very generous and shared a lot of personal uh, sort of struggles that they're dealing with, with, you know, gender issues and gender fluidity. And um, Nick was very open and vulnerable and came out to me on the podcast as being non-binary. And um, so we talk a lot about that and what that experience is like for, for Nick. And I ask a lot of clumsy questions, but just in an attempt to learn and understand. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Uh, this is, without further ado, Nicholas Samuel. Enjoy. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's gavel this to order then, uh, Nick Samuel. Nice to see you again. Yeah, it's been a while, huh? It has been. When's the last? We spoke during the quarantine. Is that right? Uh, I mean, uh, did we speak? When's the last time we spoke? Let me ask you. I I think the last. Uh, I'm beside maybe like an interaction on Facebook. I think the last time we spoke, you you came. You did a show at Berkeley. Ah, okay, yeah. Uh, the the year after. Um, year after I did so, so it would have been 2016. Uh, you were playing with Buke and Gaze. That, yes. that was the last time we like met in person and, and spoke. Okay. Uh, and it was just like after the show, we like I was there with uh, I think Caitlin was also there, Caitlin yeah. Colley, mm-hmm. and uh, someone else who I'd prefer not to talk about. And uh, we we helped pack up, and I ha- still had a, a beard at the time. You actually seen me for the first time in, in years without. Um, I uh, have been having some gender feelings and decided to like cut it all off and see how I felt about it. Ah, but, well, uh, I mean, are you comfortable talking about that stuff? Uh, I'll, I'll I can talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can uh, get we can ease into it. We don't need to like start start with it. But but since yeah. you, since you mentioned it, I'm if you're comfortable chatting about it, I'm sure there's other folks for whom hearing other people talk about this stuff might help them. You know. So. Yeah, I'm I'm still like trying to figure out a lot of it myself. So I don't know if I'll have like anything super insightful to say, but I can talk about it. Well, I mean, you can only be truly insightful about yourself and that's all I'm asking you to be. I don't need you to, I'm not, I don't, I, re- I can do that. I don't require you to speak for anyone else other than yourself. So, um, if what you say relates to people and they get something from mm-hmm. it, great. If what you say doesn't, that's okay. It's yeah. you, you know, that's all, that's all yeah. you can be. And I, that's what, for me in the podcast, those are the things I'm most interested in is just getting you mm-hmm. to getting people to talk about things that they normally wouldn't. So, but before we do that, I'm kind of curious. Um, I put a note out on Facebook that was just sort of like, I don't want to talk on comment threads anymore. Um, yeah. I want to talk to human beings and I'm curious what prompt, I mean, there's like 4,000 people on my Facebook feed and yeah. like, 10 people reached out and I'm like kind of curious as to why the people who did reach out reached out. So like what sure. was, what was it that caused you to sort of respond and, and want to do a podcast? Well, uh, I think I mentioned in the message, like I am really bad at like reaching out to people. Oh, Nick, I lost you there, buddy. We'll get this figured out. Nick. There we go. Hey, we're back. Hey. It's quite all right. Uh where where were we? Okay. Juniper's taking the cat toy. That's fine. Um You were just yeah, saying uh I asked you um what uh what prompted you to reach out and you were saying that you're really bad about reaching out. Right. I'm I'm awful at you know, keeping in touch with, with people who I would probably enjoy keeping in touch with. And, uh, 
also generally find it's easier if there's some sort of pretense for it. So, you know, you know, it, it, it might feel weird to just like want to talk, but for quoting a podcast, there's pretense for it. So it's fine. Um, that's a big part of it. And also just like, I don't know, I enjoy talking about myself and, and things that I find interesting that, you know, I kind of like, I mentioned speed running and the message I sent mm-hmm. you and that's pretty niche. And that might be interesting to talk about and like explain how I, how I feel about it and what I like about it and stuff. Okay, cool. Well, let me ask you, like, so are you, what are you doing? Are you, like, I, I want to be careful not to just like assume, like when I have a, you know, that I, I really only know you as a student from SOCI, right? Like yeah. that, that's our real only re- interaction. So as far as I know, you're a percussionist playing chamber music in a sure. world, you know, that's the last I saw you. And I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. curious sort of like what has been, what has life been like for you um, post school? You went to, did you go right. to Boco? Is that right? I was at uh, BU. BU, excuse me. Okay. Yeah. Boco adjacent basically. Um, so yeah, I, I, I finished school. I, 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 you know, finished in four years. Um, and then, uh, Cliff Notes version, maybe we can get into more detail if you want during the actual podcast, but I, um, spent the, the next year kind of bumming around Boston. Basically I, I worked part-time jobs and I had a couple of projects I was working on. Um, I don't know if you know our Reina Liz Herrera. Uh, she runs like this theatrical percussion show for kids. And that, that mm. was like my most regular, uh, gig for like those first, uh, that first year out of school. Um, I also um, worked with a group called Percussionisms a couple of times, mm-hmm. um, a percussion collective, and I was in a, a band also, um, a trio with some people. Um, I mean, at school, did like indie stuff, mm-hmm. basically. It was, it was more like pop music, uh, which was all really fun. Um, but due to various reasons, I uh, uh, am engaged now also. I have a uh, romantic partner. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Um, uh, we met, we met at school and, um, they're, they're younger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they were a, a freshman when I was a junior and, uh, they, uh, for various reasons, uh, ended up leaving school and going back home to Pennsylvania. So we, we were long distance this time that we were, I was out of school mm-hmm. and, and a couple of things happened like, uh, one of which was, was the band, uh, breaking up we all decided very amicably uh thankfully to go our separate ways mm-hmm. and i was like and at that point i was like trying to figure out what i wanted to do with music and if there was like a project i wanted to take on and i kind of reached a point where i was like i don't really want to be in boston anymore the rent's too high and and i'm working this catering job which is stressful and and so so i decided to move out to pennsylvania which is where i am now mm. where in um, pennsylvania uh, just like five minutes outside of Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah. Um, initially the plan was to try and do music stuff out here. Um, I had, uh, something potentially lined up, like working with a music school that would provide me students so I could get my foot in the door of teaching. I'm, I'm bad with getting my foot in the door with stuff is the, probably going to be the theme. Um, <laughs> and then that school turned out to be, a, it's my partner was, was doing work for them and then decided to stop paying, so, and also they just like weren't like, they were never going to get the school off the ground. It was supposed to be a startup. So that mm-hmm. fell through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then finally I was like, fuck it. I need an office job. I just need to have a paycheck at the end of the week, every week and like live my life. So that's, I got a job in October of, of that year. And that's what I've been doing. And that's the healthcare job. Mm. Um, what in uh, doing what? I, I work as a benefit verification specialist. My job is to call uh, health insurance representatives and figure out um, how they cover a specific drug for patients, which is about as fun as it sounds. Um, <laughs> I imagine, though, that's very, I mean, it seems like a very necessary job, though. I mean, you yeah. seem to be somebody that helps sort of solve problems for patients and stuff. So, I, I would disagree i think that my job only exists because the healthcare system in this country is so convoluted and and fucked how do we feel about swearing on the podcast is fine. Chris would find, okay yeah the healthcare system is is so fucked that there needs to be an intermediary to figure out to just know how one i, I work um the department working on uh, co- uh covers two drugs that are very similar like it, it like we need a whole suite of people 
who like need to call people who aren't paid enough to do their job to figure out if a specific drug is covered under the plan. And like we need to be able to figure out all the weird edge cases that, that crop up and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it shouldn't be necessary, I think. Um, but it is, it is, <laughs> you know. uh, which I guess I hadn't thought about it that way, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I also, and you know, I, I don't know if I want to get into politics too much, but I, I do like really despise the healthcare system here. My, my partner is, fiance i guess i should be saying is is chronically ill and has been like trying to get care for years and like just keeps running to doctors telling them to lose weight it's it's a mess um Mm. and like they they can't get in to see a specialist um ever basically it's it's just it's a nightmare we need we need medicare for all and it's not going to happen and i'm it's we were uh planning to move to Canada until just recently when an opportunity fell through, unfortunately, mm. uh, just to like, you know, actually get healthcare properly. Yeah. I mean, my, my family, luckily for me personally, I haven't had to do, uh, I've been grateful for health insurance recently just because oh. of like my own personal, like mental health therapy, um, uh-huh. is much more affordable. I mean, when I was, when I didn't have as good insurance as I do now, yeah. It's like every session was like 175 bucks and I just like Jeez. I couldn't I just couldn't swing it, you know. But I needed yeah. it. I wanted it. And yeah. um and I found it more beneficial sometimes than medication, you know. And so like it's like mm. all of these and finally I'm like now it cost me 20 bucks cuz I have a copay. And I'm like, nice. okay, this is yeah. like a godsend. Yeah. That's really the depth that I personally have dealt with it. But my dad, you know, my dad had Lou Gehrig's disease and passed, yeah. passed away. And I so my mom, I remember her being on the phone, talking to health insurance companies, talking about what it's a terminal disease. And they'd be like, well, how long does he have to live? And she'd be like, I don't know. And they're like, well, that's yeah. not terminal, you know? And it's just like the back and forth. Lou Gehrig's disease. Yeah. I mean, it's. Isn't terminal apparently. Well, Incredible. it is. It's just the, it's just it's messy. I mean, you get into like, well, yeah, is he going to die of this? And then if he dies of something that wasn't related to Lou Gehrig's disease, then what does health insurance cover? Like, right. Yeah. Anyway, it's a hassle. So I'm just, I'm sort of sympathizing with you on that. I don't know yeah. the exact conditions that your partner is de- dealing with, but I listen, it's, it's a hot mess here. And yeah, insurance being tied to your employment. Also, I understand. Not great. I understand it as a perk. I mean, when I first joined, yeah. so the only thing they had was health insurance. Like I got paid, like I, <laughs> yeah. my paycheck was 326 bucks every two weeks. It's not very much. It's not. No, it's insurance. like a 1099 of like $9,000 at the end of the year yeah. or, or W2, you know, but I had health insurance and health insurance yeah. was $535 a month. So and like, collectively. so, and it was really good health insurance. And mm-hmm. so, like, it was this weird, like, as a kid right out of college, I mean, I was like, okay, I'll play yeah. gigs, I'll, I'll take steel drum gigs. I know that if I get in a car wreck or if I get the flu or if I have something like ALS, I, I you yeah. know, I'll be covered as mm-hmm. a student, like, as a poor person. Like, that was a huge perk. Yeah. So, I get it. Yeah. On the other I hand, just if so percussion goes. shouldn't have to be that way. Like, yeah. you know, it, almost every other you know, developed country has, you know, universal health insurance. So I just, we like, we should have it at this point is kind of the depth of, of my thoughts on it. No, I, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I mean, to me, I'm, I'm curious, just there's lots of my life that I, I, I run out of experience from which to talk. Mm-hmm. it's like, I feel like if, if healthcare, like if you were asking me how to like talk about the origins of the steel drum, from Sir Walter Raleigh till now, it's like I could talk to you about nuance for days. Yeah, with the healthcare industry, I and and like how government runs things, I'm in agreement with you 100. percent Like there needs yeah. to be something that help, like Social Security that yeah. helps people who get stricken with something for whom they have no fault. You know, like there's mm-hmm. no like the ALS is not something my dad did because he had sex with a prostitute. Like this <laughs> yeah. was like it's it a just gene- happens. Yeah, it's a genetic thing. You know. So on the other hand, there the last four years of my life, just observing how a government runs. Yeah. The idea that Donald Trump 
would have his hands on the wheels of like people's healthcare for four years, like, or just would be able to soak, would be able to sow chaos in that system because of whatever, like, I'm not saying that I don't want it to happen at all. I do. I really, really do. I just like, boy, Donald Trump has got me worried about giving government (laughs) too much power. I I can understand that perspective. Um, Um, yeah, and, you know, I do, on, on some level, you know, the solution I've come to isn't, like, let's reform the American government. Is I was trying to get the fuck out of here. I was trying to get to another country. I, I do kind of feel like if, you know, a Medicare for All bill got passed, it would, you know, the way our Senate works, it would, there'd be an addendum that would make it legal to eat babies or something. Or it would be, like, somehow gatekept from poor people still, like, you'd need, or there'd be, like, like every other archaic you know, benefit system in the country. Like it would probably still be a mess the way this country is Mm -hmm. and what, from what I've come to expect. Well, that's the problem. I mean, this is the, this is the fundamental problem of democracy, right? Like you, I mean, okay. Yes. There's like gerrymandering is a thing and that, that it's like when 60% of the voters are represented by people who got 44% of the vote. Or whatever it is, like like Republicans need to yeah, get forty four percent. They redraw districts to make it beneficial for the side that has less voters. Right. So, basically. like a Republican who gets forty four percent of the vote, or sixty seven, like five districts, whereas all the Democratic right. voters are centered in one, and actually represents fewer people per yeah. you know than a Democrat does. But the Democrat needs to win sixty five percent of the vote in order to win. You know, a Republican only needs to win 44 percent. And it's just like, yes, those biases in the system, the Electoral College, there are things in here that are like fundamentally (laughs) archaic and need to be retooled. Yes. The other problem, though, is that people, Marjorie Taylor Greene still gets elected. That is true. And this country is 50 separate countries. You know, when you go back and you look at the history, like you wonder yeah. why Texas people are like making fun of Texas right now because of their infrastructure. And yeah. like, this is what you get when you have like, you know, Republican policies. And like, listen, I understand you can have that argument, but let's also not forget that Texas was basically seen as its own country for a while. Yeah. In the history, not too long ago, like two people ago, maybe. Yeah. You know, so this I and and the like the battles between Native Americans and the the forming currently forming U.S. government, yeah, in, in for territory there, like this is this two people ago. Yeah. I'm the third person in this yeah. line, so this idea that like we I somehow like this should just be over, or that like things like racism, yeah. for example, like. This idea that like we're shocked that people still in the South perhaps harbor resentment towards the North. Slavery was like one and a half people ago. Yep, not even. Some people so, argue that it's still going on, well, which is totally. A I'm sympathetic towards. Totally, but but the point is, my my point here is that like this is just such a, th- a thorny thing that like you got to fight it. Yeah. But I feel like I want to. I want to fight it with more context. I want to understand. Like I feel like, well, why are you upset in the South? They call it the War of Northern Aggression. I'm like, well, I didn't have my entire livelihood destroyed by the other half of the country. I was on the winning side. Yeah, you know, I was on the right side. But now, so percussion flies to Montgomery, Alabama, to play shows. Yeah. So like, and they're lovely people. Like they brought us down. So like. Yeah. But there's still that element. I also went to tour the Southern Poverty Law Center, and I saw where Mm -hmm. Martin Luther King's church was, and I saw the clock that was melted because of a firebomb that was thrown. Like, it's one and a half people ago. So, like, we not to forgive, but let's also learn the history here and understand that this stuff is going to take a lot more than just, like, some comment thread where somebody's like, you're a bigot, and this is a whatever. It's like, okay, all right, but what's your next ten words? Yeah, I'm definitely... I think social media has. I'm going to take a sip of water. Also, please. I I think social media has, in many ways, ruined us. As that's maybe a, I'm probably going to say a lot of hyperbolic things I don't really mean. Uh, but like the way we communicate, I mean, especially now because of the pandemic. Christ, I, you know, that's the only way any of us communicate now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Twitter has like made things and Facebook. You know, Facebook isn't helping either with like, you know, not uh, 
trying to weed out misinformation at all mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. you know letting white supremacists run free all that stuff but like just the way we communicate has been so informed by social media for so long that like i it's gotten so much harder to have like honest conversations with people yeah it, it's ridiculous well it's it's the thing that like if social media is the perfect like equivalent to the analogy of the frog in the pot boiling yeah like you we i i invented facebook buddy like my generation <laughs> my mark zuckerberg yeah. is like my age he's like 40 or something you know like mm-hmm. i was at yale when harvard had facebook as like an excuse, exclusive thing at just harvard and then it got let out to the ivy leagues and where was i at one of the ivy league institutions right, and so yeah. my facebook profile is like one of the original batch of like so and it's my my profile picture is the same as it was from the very first like i haven't changed <laughs> yeah. it at all you know and i remember like i remember just being like oh this is a thing and then yeah. it went from being pictures of your dog yeah. to your coffee to your food to people then started being like i hate that it's all about food and then yeah. it became politics and then there's about body imaging and now there's the exploitation of women and it's like it really yeah. is this thing that now I mean, it, and it, it controls the it controls conversations, like, and it's slowly it's where all the conversations happen. Right, but the thing it's slowly done over that time, the pot boiling thing, the thing that it's actually yeah. heating us up is that, or why we're heating up is that there's no tone or context mm-hmm. on social media. You have no and no, you can't read whether or not somebody is joking, if somebody is being serious, if somebody is drunk. If somebody is sober, yeah. like you can't tell if somebody's high as a kite or if they're just pissed off. You can't tell if somebody's eating dinner, if they're on the toilet, like yeah. all of those. I'm sorry. I'm not going to have a serious conversation about racism with somebody who's taken a crap. I, I would I, never do I that. face. To, that. I'd yeah. never do that face to face. Why would I do it on social media? Like I want to know. And I feel like we're all just in this pot sort of forgetting that content context and tone are gone now. And we're just being like, I can't believe this person I've known my whole life is now turns out they're a racist. It's like posted, posted one status and becomes the totality of their identity. Right. And I just feel like, like, you I I have to cancel my mom or something. And I'm like, (laughs) what is wrong with you people? Like I get it. People have problems with their parents and right. But well, should at the very least be able to like reach out to like give your mom a call and be like, "Hey, can we talk about that thing you just posted?" Like, it, it's one thing if it's a rando; it's another thing if it's your mom. Yeah. Anyway, the, you the, think people would be capable of that much at least? I've just seen enough of the sort of like blocked and blessed tour, like the the sort of I've yeah. blocked them and they're out of my life. I'm like, well, good luck if you see that person in a Starbucks tomorrow. Like, yeah, are you? You can't just be like, sorry, blocked. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um. Anyway, this is my my own personal soapbox. Is why I started a podcast, just because yeah. I I don't like corresponding. I'd rather say something inarticulate here, and then have you say, "Can you just say that again?" And I'll be like, "Oh yeah, that was clumsy." And we yeah. can have a, we can just keep having the conversation, you know, An actual conversation. Yeah. But um, well, let me ask you. I mean, you you were you were sort of vulnerable up front about the shaving your beard and having some fe- you, right. you 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 said gender feelings, and I don't want to gender feelings. So I could be more specific. I well, I want to be clear. Here. I don't want to push you into anything that you're not comfortable with. So when we hit that wall, just feel free to be like, okay, not, I, not comfy. I understood. Um, I I've fairly recently decided to um, identify as non-binary. I, I um, probably I assume this podcast is going to be out for like a few weeks. Uh, probably at some point I'll make a post on on Facebook about it and like. Three people will see it because the algorithm isn't going to push it because they never post. But I'll, um, I'll wait until you post, just to be clear. I'll I'll, I'll let you. Oh, uh, really? I'll let you have the first word. Okay. Um, yeah, I I I'm I'm not. I mean, I I guess I've I've been a man. I don't I don't want to be a man anymore. Being a man is. Um, I came to this conclusion recently. Um, there's a, a YouTuber I follow. Maybe um, this has come across your feed. Uh, her name is Philosophy Tube. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she, um, has been known as, uh, I, I think I'm okay to like say the name because mm-hmm. like it, all the old videos are still on her YouTube channel. It has been known as Oliver Thorne for many years making, uh, it's very like left-leaning channel, but also like very 
insightful and generally, you know, does the philosophical thing of looking at both sides, which I think is very interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it's good content, and and I enjoy the channel a lot. And um, she's also an actress. Um, she um, like does a big theatrical element to a lot of videos, which is kind of neat. And and she came out as trans recently, mm-hmm. um, and, and made a whole video about it. And um, she she uses this anal- analogy. She says two things. She talks about like you know, when she was still in boy mode, looking in the mirror and not, like, really seeing what, what, what she was expecting. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, oh, there, there's that handsome devil. Sure, he's great, but, like, who is he? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, huh, I hate posting pictures of myself to social media. I wonder what that's about. Mm-hmm. And, and also, um, she uses this analogy of, like, being in a crappy job, like, as a comparison to gender dysphoria, and, and, you know, getting worn down by it over the years until eventually you're like, I have to quit mm. and get a new job. And I decided I like that analogy because I was like, wouldn't it also be stupid if there are only two possible jobs? Like, if you, if you want to quit the one job, you had to go to the polar opposite job, mm-hmm. basically. And if that didn't work, you're just fucked. So, yeah, that, that's kind of where the, where my, as far as like I've explored the idea more or less so far. So I, you know, decided to identify as, as non-binary um, or to be non-binary, I suppose. And, you know, I was figuring, well, you know, maybe it's time to get rid of uh, the, the beard then. I've, I've had the beard um, for a long time. It's been probably about five years since I've been clean shaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I remember um, speaking of podcasts. Um, I watched uh, Joe Rogan had Anthony Jeselnik mm-hmm. on the show, and mm-hmm. Anthony Jeselnik talked about a beard being like a sunglasses for the lower half of your face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you don't have to think about it. So I was like, maybe I need to deal with the fact that I have this lower half of my face and, and see what, how I feel about it. You're talking to the wrong person about beards right now, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, you know, for for a long time, I was, and you know, I, I you know, that time I first met, I probably said something about like, I, one day I'll have a beard as magnificent as yours. Mm. And so, you know, for a while I was like, oh, this is like, so I can be more masculine. And then, mm. you know, it, it turned out to not actually be about that. Um, and then I, I shaved the beard and realized that the reason I like having the beard is because I don't look like my father when I have the beard. So mm. <laughs> I have a whole other bunch of feelings. I'm probably just going to let it grow back. No, no, no. It's, I mean, I, I, it's interesting. Like I, I've been trying to think a lot to, uh, well, just, uh, I've been trying to think a lot about like, what is masculinity? I mean, ever yeah. since the me too movement in 2016 started, like around the Harvey Weinstein thing. And mm-hmm. there yeah. was the, like this terminology, like toxic, toxic masculinity started to like pop yeah. up and, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of just personal, like, okay, what, what about me is me? Yeah. What about me is me because of society? What, and then what about all of that? Do I actually want to change about myself? Like mm-hmm. is being somebody who likes to lift stuff up on a, like, like strong, man yeah. tra- strong man training, which is like one of the most like testosterone filled things you could yeah. possibly do. Does that masculinity, is that something that I'm ashamed of? Well, actually, no, yeah. not at all. Okay. Then I'll keep yeah. that. I'm not, I'm not going to hide behind the fact that I like to do that, mm-hmm. but is growing a beard. Is that something that for me is a masculine gesture? No, yeah. no, I don't think so. For me, it's just a, like, mm-hmm. it's a, there's a, for me, it's more of a gesture of like, the older I get, or at least at that point when I first started growing the beard, yeah, you know, I had no money. I had like soap percussion. Like I said, I was making three hundred dollars every two weeks. Yeah, it's not like it's not like soap percussion. Just like every day we woke up and there were gigs. Like it was terrifying. Right. Still is, you know. And so yeah. I felt like I didn't have any control over anything in my life. It was just like I got to hump it twenty four hours a day. And yeah. So I was like, this square foot. Is yours. This is the and wil- you have control over this it. This is the wilderness. Yeah, no one can do anything with this. You know. And <laughs> yeah. So yes, as I'm saying it now, it's like clearly that's masculine. Like you yeah. know, I'm doing something just as a like f you, but like, um, and it's just sort of stayed. But I, I want to ask you, like, did, are the are the fi- and please no, if I I'm going to ask some clunky questions that somebody else might yeah. perceive as rude. So if just I'll I'll do my best here. Um, okay. But, but forgive me in advance. Um, 
do, do the feelings you mentioned the term gender dysphoria and there's a lot of right. pe- people get sort of really twitchy about um using different words because when somebody hears dysphoria that implies a medical condition that needs curing sure you know like in the autism community there's a lot of arguments around whether autism is a Mm -hmm. disorder or whether or whether it is inherent in someone's being you know Mm. i don't i don't even really want to wade into supporting one or the other but i'm Mm -hmm. curious for you like where do you i mean i have my feelings on it but i don't have experience with it for you right when you use that word, what does that mean to you? And like, how early in your life did you start thinking about these sorts of issues for you personally? Right. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned autism because I actually, um, speaking of, of like the, the healthcare system in this country, was trying to get diagnosed with that uh, while I was still in Boston, and mm-hmm. that was a. I, I've reached the point where I've, I've just self-diagnosed because, mm. like, clearly the healthcare system isn't set up to like properly, you know, go through all the steps they need to do to do that. Also, when I was young, like I spent my entire elementary school life being obsessed with bionicles to the point that my sister learned the lore so she could talk to me. So I'm pretty sure I'm autistic. Like, I don't think neurotypical people do that shit. Um, I'm not a doctor, so, so I can't speak. I can't diagnose I'm one not, way or another. I'm not either, but I know, I know myself. So I, you know, like there's no way. There's no way I'm, I'm Maybe I'm not autistic, but I'm not neurotypical. Well, um, but I mean, I think the thing I, I would say is that everybody is on a spectrum of something. Somewhere. Sure. So whether or not somebody would diagnose you as Asperger's or autism or high functioning, yeah. all of those things, or just, you know, right. ADHD. Like, I don't even know. Like, on the spectrum, there's people, we're all on it somewhere. So Sure. Yeah, well, I then I would say I'm probably a little further along the spectrum than in some people hmm. also um functioning labels are something that autistic people are trying to shy away from mm-hmm. i do have some friends who are diagnosed autistic and that's something that you know can be used to, to minimize right. autism sometimes like like uh, if you're high functioning quote unquote it means that like you're, you're less of an inconvenience to neurotypical people so people don't really you know not trying to drill you of course but no just, no no i mean these are i i work i used to work at the cleveland clinic in 2000 mm-hmm. 2000 2001 uh, with their applied behavior analysis program, that mm-hmm. was where like I was, I got some training, and then I would go into the homes of parents who had autistic children, and I would like mentor them for like two hours a day, and I, it was stuff like these were kids who they were like six, seven years old, where they had to like take the the test to get into school, yeah. like mainstream school, like walking up and downstairs. Um, basic reading skills basic Mm -hmm. social like hello how are you like learning how to sort of interact and things like that eye contact the research at that point was so non-existent i mean i remember it feeling a little bit like the wild west like the Mm -hmm. parents had no idea there was no research the even the cleveland clinic there was just like we're we're gonna try this we're gonna try this if you see this maybe this i don't know then yeah. Jenny McCarthy came out with the auti- you know, v- uh, vaccines cause yeah, autism. Vac- yeah, that whole thing. And it was just the Wild West. I mean, one of the one yeah. of the parents I was working with would only feed her kids McDonald's fries because there were there was that like, was all he would it eat was, probably. It was all he would eat, but it was also like a gluten free diet. And there, oh. there was like anyway, it was just all it was the Wild West. And so yeah. the terms high functioning and low functioning were definitely the way everybody talks so when i it was the only way to understand it at the time but i you know there's a a hannah gatsby i think is the comedian who she's um, fucking excellent and she talks about both her specials she talks a bit about the high functioning low functioning she sort of mocks it and so listen i i the terminology has changed and i think it should yeah but when i said that it's because i'm i'm from i the time i worked really intensely with it that's the way Mm -hmm. it was talked about but you know, it yeah. shows progress. That's why things change, and that's you know why people know more about it now. So yeah, yeah, and definitely. Like, I think maybe that's part of the reason. It's surely, um, you know, I, I assume you're talking like you know before <laughs> the time you were at the Cleveland Clinic was way before I was like going through school. But um, even like in the early aughts, like like I, I think there's probably a lot more misinformation. It wasn't as well understood, which I think is probably why I wasn't. Uh, wasn't diagnosed or wasn't like properly tested for it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, um, we were talking about uh, dysphoria, right? Um, and 
my, you know, I was talking about like, you know, not really wanting to, um, it's like, I don't like posting pictures of myself on social media. I don't really like to look at, I'm looking at your face right now on, on zoom. I'm, I'm not looking at the lower half of the screen right now. Um, it, it's just like, you know, I know, uh, you know, it's one of talking about like, you know, with proper terminologies. I know that, uh, for a lot of, of trans people, um, they, they like to center the feeling of gender euphoria. Like, mm. you know, if, if someone's a, a trans woman, it's not beca- necessarily because they feel gender dysphoria as a man. It's because they feel gender euphoria as a woman. Um, as a non-binary person, uh, my partner is also non-binary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, they like to joke that their gender is an ethereal mist. They just don't want to have a physical form, which is mm-hmm. kind of what what it's like. It's just like not quite feeling comfortable in your own skin, but not really knowing why. Mm. And, and you know, I, you know, again, I haven't really put in the work yet to f- try and fix that and figure out what ways I could, I could change my, my presentation or my appearance to fix that. But, uh, well, this is, I mean, as you're talking, the, uh, you know, the thing that, I don't know how to say this without sounding rude, but I've asked for forgiveness already, so please yeah, you're, you're forgive, forgive me ahead of time here. I don't personally think you need to change jack shit. Like, from my standpoint, again, like, yeah. I'm saying this on the outside, I'm saying this as someone, I can't possibly know what it's like to live and look out of your yeah. eyeballs out into the world, you know? That's the thing. Like, imagine looking out of my eyeballs. Like, try to picture what I see right now. Like, that's yeah. weird. It's a, it's a trippy it's thing. It's weird, yeah. But the idea for me that you feel like you need to change something about, whether it be a beard, whether it be a shirt, whether it be a haircut or physically like I know like surgery transition, those sort of like the idea right. that to me that that's where the like societal structures that we all have to go through are forcing that on you in a way that if we yeah. can figure out how to get that off, then you can wear a beard and not, it's never going to cross your mind that that's something it, it literally grew out of your goddamn face, bro. <laughs> Like, yeah, or it's gonna do it again. Yeah, I mean, th- it's you. It's it's as you as the feeling of being non-binary is. Like your yeah. hair going over to the one side the way it does, the mole on your arm, if I'm not mistaken. Like, uh, probably, yeah. You know, like all probably of, a couple, yeah. All one. of these things are like the mole on your neck. That's as you. I mean, listen, if it becomes cancerous, get it removed. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but like. <laughs> The idea, like the idea that any woman would feel like they need to have implants in order to be more attractive. Sure. Like, yes, I understand why somebody like, well, it makes me feel better, and that's what I want. I get it. No, 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 no. I want you to feel better. But I like, it's just so much more convenient just to be cool with your beard. <laughs> it's yeah. easier if your brain and, you lets know, you be cool with your beard. But there's yeah. something that's not allowing that, and that's why that's my reaction, and that's why I asked if, for for forgiveness because I'm making a lot of presumptions here. Sure. Well, part of the reason I decided to, to you know, cut off the, the whole fucking beard is because I knew it would go back. Is You know, if, mm-hmm. if I decided I didn't like it, which I think I, I have more or less, then, then like, just give it a week or two and, and it'll, it'll be fine. Um, uh, it, you know, I, I spent, for, for a long time, I, um, my view on the whole like gender thing is like I literally like being a man means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. Like like I don't and being a woman means mean nothing to me. Like I don't you know anything that uh, is considered inherently masculine is is something that a woman is capable of and vice versa. Um, even if you get down to like you know bioessentialist stuff, like there isn't really like like you know turfs would say something like oh well it's inherently female to have children but what about women who are infertile where does that leave them like like there's just no like it, it's just not a, a useful way of looking at the world to me um and you know obviously it's something we still have to deal with because you know the societal assumptions and all that stuff but mm-hmm. like i just don't you, you know like it's you know i you know spent a lot of time thinking about like what what does my manhood mean to me and the answer was nothing mm-hmm. so that's kind of my 
I, I forget if there's a larger point I was working to there, but no, no, no. That, I mean, these these are all interesting questions. I mean, these are things for me. I mean, just to be quite honest, I'm terrified to talk with you about this stuff because, <laughs> you know, these are such third rails of this is what like I won't talk about this even with you on social media. I'll talk about yeah. it with you face to face right now until we're blue in the face. Right. But I would not have the same conversation with you in front of 3000 other total strangers that yeah. don't understand. And, and someone can pluck one comment out of the thread and, and then suddenly you're canceled. Understand the context of our relationship yeah. and our, and our talking here. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I'm, one of the things that, you know, you, you mentioned that you listen to Joe Rogan. Yeah, I haven't, uh, Watched, watched in a while. Um, I, I was introduced um, years years ago. It must have been while I was still in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, you posted, and, and it, it was the one he did with Ben Shapiro, and said, like, even if you don't agree with either of these people, it'll, it'll be worth your time to watch it. And mm-hmm. I did. And, you know, I don't care for Ben Shapiro at all yeah, and, and still do don't. I. But Neither you know, do I, for the record. <laughs> I, yeah. Know. There there were some things he said that I, I thought were, were genuinely interesting. There's one... Um, you know, I don't want to get too into it, but like there's one comment he made about like how the gridlock in the Senate is is like supposed to be purposeful and like this idea that like nothing's supposed to get through without like huge public consensus. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with that. I think that's probably a, not a good way to run a government so that nothing gets done. But like that's interesting that that might have been the intention. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so yeah, I, you know, uh, so yeah, I uh, haven't watched in a while, but I have, uh, dabbled in a little bit of, of the Joe Rogan experience. The the Ben Shapiro stuff, I mean, I, I don't listen to him regularly at all, but every, every once in a while when I like want to just know what people are thinking, I'll go check yeah. check his stuff if out. They're on. Mm-hmm. But he has a re- there's a really good one that he had uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson on his podcast, mm-hmm. and all they talked about was religion. And it blew my mind, like hearing yeah. like Neil deGrasse Tyson is an. Astro- I probably watched that one. I think I watched a couple of. The it's Neil really great. Tyson. And Ben Shapiro, like when he's only talking about his religious beliefs, and there's a scientist like Neil deGrasse Tyson pushing him. Yeah, it was just like a battle for an hour and a half mm-hmm. in a really beautiful and genuine way. It's like the most genuine yeah. thing I've ever heard Ben Shapiro say in his entire life is that podcast. <laughs> yeah. And um, anyway, but the Joe, Joe Rogan. The reason I brought up Joe Rogan is th- that he does get in a lot of hot water with the trans community because of, and then you know, in the gender community because yeah. of some comments he made about MMA fighting. Um, yeah, and. The thing for me that is complicated, like I, I personally follow fighting. Like I, mm-hmm. I fought, watched boxing for as long as I can remember, and like I got into MMA when it was like you could only buy the UFC videos off the like same shelf where the pornos were, you know, in, in the movie, <laughs> yeah. in, in, in like Blockbuster. You in had the to go, dark be- ages, you had yeah. to go behind the curtain to go see these people now who like have podcasts, and I listen to them, and they're just normal people, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and the woman who fought. Uh, Fallon Fox is the is the trans fighter's name, and the woman mm-hmm. who fought Fallon Fox, Ashley Evan Smith, um, ended up beating her actually, or uh, beating Fallon Fox. It was only disclosed afterwards, I believe, that Fallon Fox was transgender, and mm-hmm. there, I think Rogan gets sort of torn apart for he gets the sort of like clip taken out, but right, where yeah. he comes from is more of like there are there are differences when you grow up as a man versus growing up as a woman with the hormones that are going through your body, the way your body structure is, the way your hips are sitting, like all of those things. That's, that's why, that's why there aren't open things where like a man can go in and just fight a woman. Like that's dangerous. That's like assault (laughs) and and you could kill somebody. And Mm -hmm. so they're, they're, this is just, I'm not saying that I, I don't know what the answer is, but I, I feel right. like there's no acknowledgement that this is just a slightly trickier thing Problem than, than just like, having a male or a female. Like Fallon Fox can't just be like, I'm a woman. It's like, well, you were a man for 35 years. Right. Like your entire body structure. Has well, I would, I would say Fallon Fox can say I'm a woman. That doesn't mean that Fallon Fox can immediately go into the ring with, with any other woman and just go head to head. And. I, I do remember. I remember when um, I think it's probably around the time of uh, the the Castor Semenya uh, track uh, scandal. Who is is mm. a you know maybe the the viewers don't. Um, uh, she's a, a cis woman who had naturally high levels of testosterone yes, yeah. who was essentially yes. forced out of 
like her her track team. I don't remember the exact details, but mm-hmm. um, you you know you you do run into those edge cases, right? Where mm-hmm. you know you know you can't always account for every little thing. Like you know, there, there's no rule set we're going to come up with that like is perfect. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, we we should be. be um, what what was my point? Um, <laughs> Well, but just like I, I mean, I think I'm agreeing with you. There, the, I want to be careful here. Like, I don't want to say like you don't want to have the the negativity bias here and be like, right. oh, well, there's this one case that was really tough, so that must mean we shouldn't deal with it. And it's all right. like you know, it's all the same. We've got to deal. It's like no, 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 no. Like I said earlier, everybody's on a spectrum. Everything in the world is on some sort of like we have Division One baseball, we have Division Two, we have Division Three. Yeah. Like we have all of these. Di- we have a. Uh, age classes we have weight classes we have yeah all of these different things because of over time you know we used to just be gladiators in a ring right toss them all in and there whichever, whichever one comes out alive man woman, <laughs> yeah, whatever we're gonna send win, a tiger yeah. in there too you know and now Why we not? Have, yeah. now we have mma which is about as close to that but now we have a ref we don't let lions yeah. in the ring and there's a time limit you know yeah. and i i do feel like we as a society need to get better at holding both the edge cases in our heads and be like, yeah, let's just, let's talk about this and figure out what yeah, this means. Like, let's figure out a solution that actually works rather than just forcing them to, I think they want to cast this man to like take like medication to lower her levels of, of testosterone, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's what her body naturally does. So why should she have to do that is the argument. It's, yeah, no, I agree. It's just like, how do you, it's, there is a point at which it becomes subjective. Like there is a right. point at which Fallon Fox, like she also has an amazing fighting technique and it's just a good fighter. Yeah. So like, you know, uh, and, and yeah. that doesn't, so it's like, there's a point at which you can't be like, okay, now you're woman enough to fight. Like right. that's, that's, there's, I understand that's a nearly impossible thing to say. Yeah. Well, I do. Uh, I, the reason I brought up Caster Semenya is because I know that, like, I, I must have. There, there were like some some studies done on trans runners specifically. It is probably different for MMA, and I'm not going to pretend I know anything about that. I can I can defer to your judgment on that. But but there's research done, and like the the only real factor that was like determined to determine like you know what the end time of the lap was or whatever mm-hmm. um, was like the testosterone levels. So. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, you know, assigned male at birth and you have, you know, average male testosterone levels, uh, decide you're trans and start a transition process. By the time your testosterone levels have like leveled out, like you're pretty much on the same playing field as, mm-hmm. you know, any average cis woman mm-hmm. or, or any average cis woman athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah, I know that at least on that front, research has borne out that, you know, you know, maybe the solution there is, you know, you have to be on hormone therapy for so long and then we'll switch you to that class. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but listen, I, I, th- I also think it's okay for two people like us to have a conversation like this and be like, yeah, yeah it's, you know, like and without but, feeling like either one of us is a bigot or like some yeah. sort of transphobe. It's like, no, I, I, I want people to be happy. And comfy. That's yeah. what, like it breaks my heart, Nick. That like at any point in your life, you're like, I need to change this thing, otherwise I'm not gonna f-. like that. That is just crushing to me. Well, and, well, you know, like I don't think it's a. It's it's not really about. I don't I don't really know what it's about. Again, like I'm I'm mm-hmm. still like very much sort of in the figuring things out stage, but like I don't. It's not so much like it's about me it's not necessarily about other people mm-hmm. i think like i i know that like you know you and, and like you know my family or my friends don't really care how i present but it, it it's very much like an internal thing like something which i haven't identified yet like just mm-hmm. doesn't quite add up and you know it, it's about achieving equilibrium with myself is is essentially what I think is happening, maybe. Listen, um, I, 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 like I said up front, I was just going to ask clunky, awkward questions, and I feel like that's okay. what I've done. And um, I feel like I'm giving clunky, awkward answers. I but I, we're, we're okay. Well, we're but fine. I, but I think what I hope people take from this conversation, I, I really do 
appreciate you being so vulnerable here. Like, and I appreciate you letting me be vulnerable too and letting me ask these questions. It's a, it's a privilege of me for me to get to ask these of you and, and to hear your responses. And I don't, I think what I'm learning and that I hope somebody else learned is that like, you're on a, you're, this is a process. This isn't like yeah. learning about who you are is, you know, I'm only a 41 year old version of my 22 year old self. And I still <laughs> yeah. like, I think, I think the thing for me that is my bias is like, I've never been confused about my sexuality uh-huh. or my gender. I've never been confused about who I want for a sexual partner. Um, I've uh-huh. been confused as to why people don't want me as a sexual partner, but, sure. but have that, we all? that I think is a pretty universal human experience. Yeah. Like the whole, like, why doesn't somebody want to have sex with me? But like the, it's never, I've never, like the first gay person I ever really personally knew was a guy named Jamie Dietz. And uh, he was yes. a real great friend of mine in, in college and he passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah, I remember. And he, yeah, I, I didn't, I grew up in a very small conservative Rush Limbaugh household. There was no hate in my home. <laughs> Nobody was like, yeah. my parents weren't telling me anything like hateful, yeah. but. It was just in the air. It was in the air, you know? And so I. When I met Jamie, I remember sitting outside of a concert hall with him and being like, can I ask you a question? Yeah. He's like, yeah. I said, what do you think when you roll over and look at your boyfriend? And he was mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? And I said, what, what goes through your mind? And he, he, so he's like, well, I, this is somebody I love and I can't believe they want to have sex with me. And I can't <laughs> believe that they come to my concerts and I can't believe that they laugh at my jokes and I can't believe that they like the food I cook, like all of that stuff. And I was like, he's like, what is that what you're looking for? And I said, well, that's exactly how I feel about Stephanie. And and he's like, okay. And then I said, Oh, okay. That's what it was all this time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like those, those things I think are that for me was just, like one of those crushingly important moments in my life. Had I been afraid to ask Jamie that question, Mm -hmm. what wouldn't I have learned by now at 41? What would I have assumed about people had, and had Jamie not been as forthright with me and as vulnerable with me as you've been here, Mm -hmm. what would our relationship have been like what I, you know, there's just, it's so silly to not be yourself as quickly as possible. I think that's my mm-hmm. point. And I, I want you to feel like you can get there whenever you get there. Mm-hmm. But Nick, when you get there, fly that flag from the mountaintops and feel absolutely okay about it because we're all hot messes at the end of the day, just for the record, <laughs> you know, whatever you think about me, whatever is perceived about me on the outside. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> I'm a hot mess. So anyway, I just hope people listen to this and, and have, yeah. and see your processes like, Oh, well, I'm not completely sure, sure about my process either. That would be neat. I'd like that. That's okay. And so anyway, I just, that's it. No question there. Just a thank you. You're, you're welcome. Thank you. That was, that was very kind. Thank you. Um, well, um, let me wrap up with this. Where can folks, if folks want to learn more about like, you know, some of the stuff you're working on, uh, if you've um, got any projects or anything that you've, they, I, we didn't quite touch on speed running that much. We didn't but, touch speed running. Yeah. I, um, if folks want to learn more about like what you're interested in, where could they go and, and where can they find you if they want to, t- right. if somebody, so, and if um, somebody listened to this and really is like, I'd like to pick it, pick, you know, Nick's brain. I, yeah. I also, do you go by they and them? Uh, they, them. Yeah. Excuse me for saying for misgendering throughout. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I apologize for misgendering you throughout. I should have asked up front. Um, so if somebody wants to reach out to you, um, they really want to. They want to talk to you. How can they do that? Yeah, I I am a, a speedrunner. Um, I am cur- currently speedrun uh, Kingdom Hearts Two Final Mix. Um, I'm also uh, used to run Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Um, this is um, we're not going to have time to get into it, but my uh, Twitch is twitch.tv slash Texas underscore Grandma. If you want to know why that's my screen name, <laughs> um, drop by stream. And and give drop me a follow and I'll tell you all about it. Texas um, underscore grandma. Texas underscore. It's it's a it's an inside joke between me and my partner, basically. Um, <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, I'm I'm actually um, 
I'm, I'm not uh, streaming runs right now. I've, I've been in a place where like, I get really frustrated. It's a three hour run. So like, if you know, I, I, if you lose a run two hours in, it's a real kick in the dick. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm not doing runs probably by the time this podcast is out. Hopefully I'll have moved on to doing a different category. Um, I've been on beginner any percent for so long, but, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's where I am. I, um, my my partner likes to we, we call my partner Texas Grandpa because obviously um, <laughs> you know we we'll, we'll both be happy to to talk about like you know feeling you know being stuck in the, the gender corner and just being like oh what's happening mm-hmm. um, yeah it's it, I'll talk about speed running I, I assume uh, we're I, I, was, I was hoping to to get to that a little more that's that's a bit of a bummer but maybe I'll come on again listen, and we can talk about speed the the um, door my listen my policy for these is that the door is always open and you reached out you were proactive yeah. and so just you're in, you're in the you're in the club now so whether you like it or not oh, yeah. um, I would love to ha- I, I like it I, I like that well if it's okay with you I would like to ask you okay. that if and when you ever want to talk about any of this stuff again if you have any sort of if your process moves forward and you feel like you're like yeah I feel more confident about this thing I was less confident about the last time mm-hmm. we talked I would love to hear about it sure I can drop you on and um, um, we'll add the speed running on to that as our other excuse to chat yeah because, sure uh, um yeah, that's really, I, I'm not really doing uh, music right now. Um, you can, um, if you wanted to hear my past work, uh, Cathartic Conundrum is the name of my band. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cathartic Conundrum? Cathartic Conundrum. Um, we released two EPs. I am very proud of both of them. Awesome. Um, uh, Anis is still uh, making music. They're in California, I think. Also non-binary, um, I believe, last I heard. Um it's always hard when you lose touch with some because you don't know if their pronouns change and didn't hear about it. It's um, I will say as my generation, uh, I have I have sympathy for people who are like everything changes so quickly. And I used to be like yeah. when I was younger, I'd be like catch up, old man. And now like <laughs> yeah. like throughout the podcast, I have been saying like dude, bro, like those are things yeah. I say to my wife. Like that's, yeah. that's just like that's that's like six year old Josh that I just can't get out of my head and I feel terrible about it. So I that's I, I actually don't mind. I know a lot of uh, trans people um, don't don't like that or like non binary people don't like that. I don't particularly mind. Weirdly, like d- dude is like a little weird, but like I'm kind of fine with being called bro. Like that doesn't really bother me. Um, maybe I'll decide it bothers me later. Who knows? It's all, it's all a process. <laughs> well, if as um, listen, I, I again, like I the the thing I, I don't ever want anybody to feel uncomfortable by something I've, I've said. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm trying and I think, you know, we're all like I said, we're all on a spectrum and we're all trying to sort of figure it out. And I think I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to have this conversation with the context and the content being at the forefront Um, because like I said before, this conversation I think is nearly impossible to have on, on Facebook. I, and so, uh, and these are the types of conversations I like having. So uh, with that, Nick Samuel, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, Thanks for having me. I hope your partner stays healthy and I hope they find the, the, the healthcare that they're looking for and get that, that squared away sooner than later. I do as well. Yeah. Um, But stay healthy. And I hope that we can cross paths. My wife is from just South of Youngstown, Ohio. So that's not far from you. Um, So if we're ever in the neighborhood, we'll have to come by and tip a drink with a mask on or something. Sounds good. All right. Take care, Nick. We'll talk to you soon. You too. See ya. Okay. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. This podcast is brought to you by Liquid Drum. Liquiddrum.com down in Waco, Texas. Uh, My good friend Todd Meehan runs an amazing percussion company down there. Great merch, great content. Check him out. Liquiddrum.com. Also, Kyle Dunleavy, dunleavypans.com, D-U-N-L-E-A-V-Y pans.com. Kyle Dunleavy makes and builds all the steel drums that I perform and teach on, uh, and so percussion, as well as at NYU and Princeton. Uh, He's an amazing, amazing tuner builder, um, just a really nice guy, very dependable. Check him out. If you are interested at all in steel pan advocacy, uh, want to learn more about the goings-on uh, in Pan in Brooklyn, check out paninmotion.com. My good friend Kendall Williams, uh, Jerry Guy, Trisha Guy, and uh, Arisha John run an amazing organization called paninmotion.com. Check them out. 
And finally, Alejandri Mirage runs an amazing uh, clothing apparel company in Brooklyn that is steel pan centric. You can check him out at Mango Chow, C-H-O-W, clothing.com. I own a bunch of his shirts. They're amazing, very stylish, uh, beautiful, beautifully made. Check them out. Mango Chow, clothing.com. Okay, hope you're well. Talk to you soon.